0: Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Deb here with PTSD and BN. You know, one of the cool things that we offer to you, drum roll, please, are the guests that come on, they share their wisdom, they share their nuggets, and they do more than share their time. They actually share the things that they're doing to promote community and to build community, as well as helping other women, children, men, teens, all around the world. And today's guest she is a proponent of community building for women. She likes to share her own story, which again, we are a big supporter of people having a platform to share their stories as well as the work that she's doing. We're going to have all the hyperlinks actively linked. So you want to go check out more about our guest. You can go ahead and do that. Um, let's give a heartfelt welcome to Jenny Rochelle. Jenny, welcome to PTSD and Beyond.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Deb. I'm super excited to be here. I, like I said, community building and like connections with other people. That's how we heal, right? When we know that we're not alone and we're not crazy, right? And we get that validation.
0: exactly. The validation and um, community, you know, there's studies that have shown that when people belong to a community, whether it's a peer support group, an informal group that meets up at a, you know, a coffee shop, that the healing happens quicker it does when you feel a person feels in isolation. Can you talk with our listeners and share with us about your story? Because I really think that it's going to touch somebody who's listening right now. And I think it'll touch them in a way that will give them hope to say, you know what, I can have this too. This can happen to me too. So can you share your story with us a
1: little bit? I sure can. I mean, it's a long one. I can go all the way back to childhood, but I'll start with (laughs) more more recent. that sort of set me on the path for the work that I do now. Um, So the work that I do, I'm a a betrayal trauma specialist. And so I work with mostly women who are healing from betrayal trauma. This is not a work that I intentionally would have chosen for myself, but like many people who have sort of a you know, I I consider myself a messenger of hope and healing. So many of us end up in this sort of healing work. We have this story that happens to us that we find ourselves in and it's what we do with it. So November of 2012, so almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. um, um, My now ex-husband was arrested. And through that process of him getting arrested and getting him, having to bail him out of jail, I realized that was that was what we call in and, and the work that I do. we call it a D-Day, a discovery day. The discovery day that we, day. discovery day, the day that we discover the betrayal, the sex addiction. Um, I'm trained to work with partners of sex addicts, but I do believe that like betrayal trauma is real and many of us experience it. And we'll talk about that at some point about what it is. But I discovered that my ex was a sex addict. And I knew that everything had to change in that moment, this November, again, of 2012. But then I spent another two and a half years just sort of not ready to deal with it. You know, I was in denial. I think denial can be sort of a judgy word, but it's also a powerful survival mechanism. Right, it is.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Until we're ready to deal with it. So about two and a half years went by. And then I had another D-Day, another discovery. He wasn't better. And at that point, I started getting, I was like, okay, I better take care of me. He's he's obviously not going to get better. He's not doing any work. So how do I keep me safe? How do I keep my kids safe? How do I get the help that I need? How do I move forward? And it was really, at that time, there was not a lot of support for partners of sex addicts yet. There was Support for sex addicts, which also has got better, but back then, like partners of sex addicts, we were labeled as codependent, is coaddicts, right? Is enabling, like all yes. of this, really, right? Really, put the put the, put the it, it continue to you
0: know induce the trauma, project that reinforcement of trauma
1: onto the spouse, right, and partner, ab- absolutely. Treatment induced trauma, right? right and, yes. Very high percentage of partners of sex addicts experience treatment-induced trauma, which includes, you know, psychiatrists, therapists, um, religious leaders, faith leaders, like any sort of institutional stuff where you're trying to get help and they actually further traumatize you. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's been a whole lot of work done in the sex addiction world in terms of caring for partners, realizing they have PTSD, All of these symptoms that were labeled as co addiction and codependency are actually symptoms of PTSD. And there's been research that shows I'm trained by an association called the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, APSATS. And they've done some research. And like one of the studies showed that 70% of partners of sex addicts report PTSD, report symptoms of PTSD similar to someone who's had a violent sexual assault. Wow. So it's very real. The physical manifestations in the body, 100%. So, but there was no credence given to any of that. And so these poor partners of sex-sex are going into couples therapy, right? They look like the craziest person in the room because they're coming out of their skin with anxiety and PTSD. Mm -hmm. So this was me. (laughs) This is the journey that i was living was how can i help myself how can and 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 so much of being labeled by my husband's therapist husband's therapy at the time you, that's enabling yeah, that's your codependency until so i yes. finally found a coach who was trained by APSAT, and she was the first word, first person who told me you have trauma you have trauma from what happened to you and Trauma is such a word now that we hear all the time, but 10 years, even 10 years ago, even five years ago, trauma was like an assault, an earthquake, a car crash, but like betrayal that that's not a trauma, right? You know, yes, least... I'm right. Yes. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we really minimize. Now we know that we all experience, right? Like capital T versus small T traumas. So I found this person who was like, here's what's going on. You have trauma. You have PTSD. That's why you can't sleep. That's why you're obsessed with what's what's going on in his phone. That's why you want to know where he is at all times. That's why you can't eat. That's why, <laughs> you know, you feel like you're going crazy. That's why you're hypervigilant, all these symptoms of PTSD. And I got with her. She had a group for women. And that was my first partner's group that I joined. And I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about it with not crying. Like I have to, like, pause for a moment, but that group where I met those women, like I would not have survived without like meeting my coach. His name is Sarah Morales. She's an incredible human being. She's one of my good friends now and meeting the women in there who we were all going through the same thing at different points in the journey, like some of the several years in, um, some divorce, some staying, all different like backgrounds, faiths, socioeconomics, genders, not genders, we're all women, different races, like but all leaning on each other through this really terrible thing and having somebody really understand what you're going through. Right. Your mom can't. Your girlfriend can't, like, unless they have been in that particular situation, they don't really understand what it feels like. Yep.
0: Yeah. That is the power of peer support. And I truly believe that peer support is going to be one of the driving forces of recovery for many mental health modalities because of that connection. Mm-hmm. There can be other folks, say, in uh, a vet, for example, that has post-traumatic stress symptoms and um, say myself, you know, a child abuse survivor. And the symptoms of insomnia are the same. The how-to is different. What unites us is this the, sim- is the symptom that's the same And then what are you doing about it? Like, okay, so what works for you? And the other thing that I I like what you're saying here is with women, there's a sisterhood of women. I mean, we already have gender challenges, you know, in the workplace. Everybody has, not everybody, but most people, most of us, you know, especially at a certain age can say, oh yeah, let's talk about that one story of when we worked with a colleague and we were really taken aback by well, I thought we had a sisterhood here, right? Yeah. And it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. What we can do with, with um women's support groups is it reinforces that, yes, in fact, we are stronger together, as well as the sisterhood is stronger together, because we've all experienced something that has brought us together to unify. Yeah. And you really are a pioneer in the legacy, if you will, of women's support groups with the work that you do. And I thank you for sharing part of your story. Um, We always, you know, share, you know, parts of it. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's a lifetime to, you know, um, condense into, you know, a few moments here. And through that story, there could be a listener who's saying, Oh boy, you know what? That, that real, yes the yes piece that resonates. That's, that sounds like me. Mm -hmm. So when you were connected with your coach, who's now a friend, which is amazing too, right? You build these long-term relationships. Yes. What are some of the things that working with women now that are, are, our current challenges that are, um, patterns of challenges, if you will, that women are facing today? So much betrayal isol- trauma, if I can. Yeah, just, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, it it is isolation, you know, um, and that's why groups are so important. But m- most of the women that um, that I work with and I just want to stop for a moment and just I just want to feel like I want to explain one betrayal trauma. Right. Is, is at its basic level is when a person or institution we rely on for safety and security betrays our trust. Yep. So it's just very like so like when our parents, family members, whoever someone hurts us harms us, those little girls that we rely on for safety and security, it's betrayal trauma, yep, right. when our when our government lets us down, Right. When the Catholic Church let people down, Mm -hmm. right. Like all that happens, all those are kinds of betrayal trauma. Best friends can do it. Coworkers can do it. You're talking about the women, you know, but that's, we're supposed to have sisterhood, but they backstab us, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a kind of betrayal trauma. So I believe we all experience some form of it. And for those who are listening, you know, a lot of times I meet women and they're not sure if they're sex addiction. And so this betrayal trauma, which is like, in terms of a romantic relationship, I'm like, just an affair, I'll put it in quotes. But sometimes, you know, there's no diagnosis of sex addiction, but there could be multiple affairs. So I'm just going to explain sort of what it looks like multiple affairs, compulsive masturbation, you know, pornography involved, sex workers involved, like all the, lots of lying, lots of emotional abuse, right? Yeah. Um, over and over again, like, that's what it can look like. So mm-hmm. if you ex- experience that.
0: The withholding of affection, yes. what, you know, that's, that's, I had the, the punishment. Um, I was talking with someone last week and, and they were explaining that, uh, their experience of betrayal trauma specifically was the withholding of affection, mm-hmm. the, I'm not going to say, I love you De- deliberately. Like she said, you could see it in their face that they just deliberately wanted to lash out and hurt the, the sleeping in the other room, you know, the, the cutting off of any sort of affection whatsoever, as if you weren't even there, but it's deliberately to punish and manipulate. Right.
1: Absolutely. And that's like a a thing that I see frequently with clients when there is sex addiction, there is this withholding of affection. They're like going outside of the marriage to get their sexual needs met. It's not really about sex. It's about numbing of shame and all, you know, all of that. But the partner ends up isolated and alone. And so this leads us to like some of the biggest challenges we've experienced today. And we're now coming out of COVID, but like for the last few years, I've been working with women in like online groups, which are amazing, was the way that they were meeting and making friends. Because when I work on private clients, I'm always trying to get them into a group because I can tell them, thousand times you're a normal, you're a normal girl. Mm-hmm. You're having a healthy and appropriate reaction to what happened to you. Mm-hmm. But to hear someone else like say the exact of doing air quotes crazy thing, right? right. That they think like yep. you're like, oh, I'm really not alone. I'm mm-hmm. really, really not alone. So trying to get trying to get women into those communities, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for like as they were coming out of COVID. Um starting to reform some things in real life again. But I think that's the thing we're still struggling with.
0: And there's, there's shame attached to it too. It's like, I feel like the survivor person carries the weight of the shame, the ownership where the person who's actually the abuser uh, and the addict rarely carries, rarely carries the shame. They don't carry the damage, the collateral damage, you know, the trail that's left behind, it's, it's, it's the survivor who, who cleans up the mess. And who also, um, I attribute it to, you know, the scapegoat and the family. That's Mm -hmm. the person who statistically is the one who breaks the cycle. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is there's life. We like, we talk about the go beyond piece at PTSD and beyond. So we are on a, on a journey of healing and that's continuous. And then at some moment, there's the building a trust again of, I think I'm going to start putting myself out there beyond making friends. How does that going beyond peace? Because you also talk about Starting to date again. And I know yes. that there might be women that are listening right now that are like holding their breath saying, Oh, can't believe you said that other D word. I'm not <laughs> dating again. Are you crazy? I, know. I mean, you could go on any social time when we're doing our chats and stuff. It's like, I will never. I mean, we've got women in our community that are like, I am fine being by myself. I've got my two dogs. Yeah. Like, I am never going there ever again. And then all of a sudden you're like, I actually, I kid you not. I kid you not. This happened this morning. It was so funny because I was thought about a recording and one gal that's in our community who has been like, I am never dating again. I got my two dogs, my house on the ocean. I am never. And what did she post today? Well, there's this guy. (laughs) <laughs> and I kid you not, I almost spit my coffee because I was like, What are you talking about? For like the whole time I've known you, which has been four years, you're like, I am never dating again. I'm never going to do that. Don't say that D word to me. And today's post is, Well, there's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is the perfect timing to do this podcast recording because you're the subject matter expert. So talk with us about yeah that go beyond peace. yeah,
1: yes. yeah you know I, honestly, for me and my story it really it started even before I left because I think what when well, I left my, my ex-husband because one of the things that can happen when we're in a toxic abusive relationship is one of the ways we could sort of gaslighters sort of gaslight ourselves or bargain with ourselves is like, well, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. Right? right? I yeah. am, you know, at the time I was, I'm 48. I've been, It's my third divorce. I've got three kids. Who's going to want to date me, right? Who's going to want me at this point? You're yeah. Right. That,
0: that story, that, the toxic story we tell ourselves, that self-gaslighting.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then we just, and it, and it can keep us stuck. And so really like choosing to believe I deserve better than this. Mm. I just reached this moment where I was like, I I have a relationship with a higher power that I call God. I don't have any parameters or definition around that. Um, But it's the, the thing that the entity, the being that I speak to, I believed, I chose to believe that if I wanted a partner and to be in love and find someone to share my life with, that that would be available to me. And it really, if you don't want to talk about God, then talk about it in terms of scarcity and abundance. (laughs) Do You you believe there's enough love (laughs) in the world for you, right? You got to believe there's enough love in the world.
0: And that there's, there's a surplus of men, right?
1: Yes. compared to women, <laughs> yeah, you know, like that there men. are good, that there are good men out there. Right. right? There's
0: good men. Let's clarify that. Right. There's are decent. We'll men. throw in another D adjective. <laughs> decent. They are good. A men decent out there dude. Right. Or depending on, you know, um, cause we do support the LGBTQ plus community,
1: whatever gender, yeah, trans absolutely, want, right. Whatever, whatever, love whatever. is love. <laughs> love is love. And it really is that believing that there's enough love for you. So like, that's what I'm a messenger of hope and healing. I believe hope is always possible. I believe there's always more love for you. Does it take risk and vulnerability and a whole lot of self-reflection and self-healing? Yes. Yes, it does. But getting to that point where you're like, I believe um, that there's someone out there. I believe that there's a person who I can share my life with and starting to do the work to do that. And that means showing up. That means getting on a dating app. Right. It means, <laughs> it means showing up,
0: right? They're not going to just show up at your door. You know, the service person's not going to show up at your door. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, hey, you know, you want to go out for coffee?
1: <laughs> what? Oh, <my> <laughs> right. I I, mean, I hear that a lot. I just want to be someone in real life. I'm like, okay, sure. I hear you. And when you're ready to, you know, work on your dating profile, let me know. Because that's the thing that I'll do with clients. And when we work on our dating profile, when we work on the people we want to date, we want to envision that process. Like in the way we want to create our life, we want to spend time thinking about what are the most important qualities I want in a person. Right. What are the boundaries I need for me in terms of sex, in terms of relationship, in terms of intimacy, so that when I go into this relationship, I'm in alignment with me. So I know when the red flags are happening and go like, Mm-mm. right? no, that's not, that's violating a boundary for me. Right. But also recognizing green flags. Oh yeah, we have this shared thing in common. Like yep. my Bumble profile was a hundred, every line in there is the core value of mine, everything, cool. music, food, laughter, family, spirituality, Yep. You know, like to put that out into the world. And that means doing the work on yourself, yep. right? Doing the work on yourself.
0: Doing the work on yourself is really key. We can't, we can't do the work for other people. They have to do it themselves. We had a guest, Dr. Bernie Siegel that, that was on, that actually said, to his cancer patients. I can't do the work for you. You have to do this work for yourself. And what we can do is we can provide education and resources as well as stories, like I mentioned before, that give people inspiration and hope because it's not competition. It is to say that this thing worked for somebody and it might work for me. Yeah. or maybe something didn't work for you. And you can say to someone, you know, I tried that. It didn't work for me. It might work for you though. Cause I know other people that it has too. Um, you mentioned real quickly about the effects of being in a position and a mindset of openness. If we can move into that flow of sometimes we get in, in our, our own way, you know, a person sure. might say, I want to have a healthy partner. I want to have a healthy relationship. But the vibration, the energetic vibration inside of them says something else. They're closed off. They meet people. They're, they're, they're not approachable. How can we increase that awareness of the desire for the need mm-hmm. um, and compare it to a reality of where we're really at? Yeah. How do we do that?
1: So I think it's a couple of different things. I want to make sure I remember them. Um, One is giving ourselves permission to want to be in a relationship. Yeah. Because there's, I think, a whole lot of messaging that we get that it's like, like the community member, that's a real like thing. I'm fine on my own. I don't need a man, right? Like there's something wrong with saying, I'm fine on my own. And I want to be in a relationship. I want a partner. I want to share my life with someone. Both of those things can be true.
0: Yep. The first statement, you know, there's a there's a tone with it and a and a defensiveness with it. I don't need anybody. I'm fine on my own. Versus the openness of saying, I'm comfortable with being by myself and and with myself. Yeah. And I'm open. To receiving somebody who is equally as healthy, yes. who will enhance my life. Absolutely. There's a different energy presence, a different mindset and a different flow. There's a, um, there's a gentleman that I've known for many years and he was wondering, you know, when the person was going to come into his life, this was over five years ago. I'm, this is going way back. So I said, they're looking for you just as much as you're looking for them. Cause his mindset originally was, I know we're talking about women's support and this goes to women too. This goes to mm-hmm. anybody who's wondering his mindset was one way, you know, where is she, where, where, where? And I'm like, well, what makes you think she's not looking for you? Of course she's mm-hmm. looking for you. Right. So it's a, it's a two way. And sometimes I think that when we're in the healing process, we need, we need an, an awareness reminder that it is both ways. It's not one way. Like when we go to the grocery store, do you think that the grocery store stuff that's there is just like, oh, just take me? No, it's, it's both ways. I need that. Yeah. I need those specific chocolate chip cookies to make, actually, no, let's talk about Greek food. I need that specific two pounds of spinach and that particular Greek feta in order for me to make my spinach pie Otherwise, right. it's not going to happen. And guess what? That product wants to come home with me. Exactly. <laughs> you know? not saying that we're going to go to the grocery store and, hey, you know what? There's going to be a lineup of oh, that. That's that person. They're going to come home with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, come on, let's go. But, you know, the illustration is there where it's it's a two-way, right? The flow is up and down. It's yeah. It's forward and backward. So they're looking for you just as much as you're looking for them. Now, when we do meet people, what are some things that we can share that will help us with reducing our anxiety from past patterns? You know, you talked Mm -hmm. about green flags. Mm -hmm. We did an episode Mm -hmm. of the chat about green flags, like green flags can make people um, reactive and nervous, for example, because we're not familiar. It's the healthy normal that we're not familiar with. So what are some things that we can share with people that are tips that maybe can help them with being open to accepting the green, healthy, normal, and at the same time, acknowledging like, oh, yep, yeah, that's actually the voice from the past. Those are the yeah. feelings from the past. How do
1: we do that? It takes it takes a lot of self reflection. It takes a lot of like recognizing when you're triggered, and and knowing, oh, I'm triggered right now, mm-hmm. and. There's something that's making me uncomfortable. My body's freaking out, right? My body is, my body's like danger, danger, danger. Right. And then being able to pause in that moment and have your, you know, your, your thinking aware self be like, not thinking the, the, the observer self that's like, is there anything bad happening right now? And like sort of checking in and realizing you're triggered and 10% of what's going on is, is in the present 90% may have to do with the past and really coming to terms with like, most of us were not raised to feel safe. Yeah. We weren't. We didn't have, you know, I say our parents did the best we could, but you know, we didn't have, you know, I'm Gen X. We were the most underparented generation in history. Yeah, I'm the same, Jen. Yep, my mm-hmm. we parents are. weren't home. We didn't have yeah. that, you know. And and again, they're doing the best that they could, and that's there was so much happening back then that that made it harder. But so many of us grew up not feeling safe, not having, you know, the divorce rate was going up. We don't, we're we're so used to feeling unsafe that when we feel safe, we don't recognize it. I talk about my husband, most wonderful, sweet, amazing, sexy, kind human being. Um, And if I had met him 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have been attracted to him because he felt too safe to me. (laughs) Isn't it
0: interesting? The things (laughs) that we, that does take work. And I appreciate you bringing this point up because it does take work to get us to a place, meaning work during on um, the healing journey to get us to the place when we get to the place, not if, but when we get to the place yeah. where we recognize that behavior is actually what is safe and normal and healthy and yeah. the other stuff. So you mentioned about there's an inner dialogue of observation that happens where you can ask yourself the question. So is this something from my past? Yep, it's from my past. Is it similar to what was happening back then? No, but it feels like it. Okay, mm-hmm. let's recognize and uh, give you know awareness to validate that feeling. Yes. yes. And then now yes. once I'm I'm validating my own feelings, mm-hmm. can I pause? What do I need right now then to make myself feel safe? It might mean hey, I got to take a pause or it might mean mm-hmm you know, stepping into that vulnerability and saying to that person, yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. And I know that your intention is, is, is honorable or your intention is healthy. I need to let you know that this is a challenge area for me. And even to say that and share that with you is very vulnerable, but unless I take that risk, you know, I'm never going to really know. So I'm willing to put myself out there and at the same time, when I've done that with um, new relationships, and there are certain phrases that I just don't like to hear. It's like, please, you could say anything, but just some phrases don't use because they still are potentially reactors for me. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say, you know what, I will do my best to not say that. And yeah. thank you for sharing. And for me, I do the same when someone or I'll even ask because, you know, if, as a mental health First date, we, we one of the questions that we do ask people is, are there certain phrases that are reactive for you? Mm-hmm. Because I want to be able to make sure that I'm using trauma-informed langu- language that yeah. meets your needs, not a generic vanilla. There isn't any generic vanilla. And people are so appreciative. Like, um, yeah, you know, it, this is something that doesn't resonate with me. If you don't use that, I would really appreciate it. It's like, yes, absolutely. I find myself also correcting The younger generation, because um, they have a tendency to, someone said, this was a few weeks ago, and I'm not rolling my eyes to be like disrespectful, but um, they said, um, that triggers me. And I said, does it trigger you or are you upset about it? There's a Mm -hmm. difference. Yeah. We can't use trauma language to say that bothers me. When yeah. you're just bothered was that really it was that does that really root yeah. from a traumatic experience yeah. well no okay so we don't use um mental health challenge language as common common language yeah. you know to say oh that's an OCD moment and that was an OCD moment I actually pointed out someone who was a commentator because they had said oh I have PTSD from that I did I went right on Twitter I'm like look You work with Red Sox Nation. I cannot believe you actually said that. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though they apologized, I was like, you know what? I've lost all respect for you. I I, especially when you're working in the field, and you know you're at that position. So we're continuously re-educating and meeting people with where they're at. Because, as you mentioned before, when in the group, everybody's on a we're on a path, Mm -hmm. and we're at different places. So. If you were to look back and say to yourself then, now, what's something that you would say to yourself back then that you know now?
1: Oh man, what would I say? I would that would say, it's gonna be okay. Right? It's gonna be okay. It's, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be better than okay, right? There's gonna be. You know, you're not going to be alone for the rest of your life, you know, that there's there's more love for you. It's the things that I say to clients now, there's always more love for you. If you want there to be love in your life, there can be love in your life. I love that you were talking about, we can't meet someone at the grocery store or that doesn't work like that, Or the, like you're talking about the groceries. I do though, one of the practices I give clients is, you know, when we experience trauma, we, we shut down, right? We, Of course we do. It's yeah. self-protection. So one thing, groups with other survivors, with other women are ways to start to open that up. It's a safe place to experience vulnerability, to receive love and affection. It helps us practice that Right. right in a safe place. And the other thing that I tell people, I tell clients to do is when they go to the grocery store, make eye contact, say hi. Like in the smallest of ways, open yourself to micro connections, right? Yep. To the person making your coffee or like walking down, like one of my favorite things that I do, if um, I see a woman, i like, just to say, I love your shoes. I love your top. I'll let whatever, right? Because you make that little connection. And it's just a way of like, you're talking about shifting the energy or the vibration of how we show up in the world. And we do have to be open. Yeah, we do. We do.
0: It's interesting too if people will keep it doesn't have to be something formal, but I have a journal that I call my miracle journal. Mm-hmm. And I jot down like these little things that are I can't say that they're, they're coincidental anymore. It's like, okay, this is a serendipitous thing. All right. What are the odds of this? Yeah. <laughs>
1: like,
0: a lot of self-talk while you're in the car. Holy buck, it's like, what were the odds of that happening? That happened yesterday. There's this deer. And it was weird because I was like, uh, what are you doing on the side of the road? There was no place for this deer to go. It was a tall wooden fence. And then there's this elderly woman walking with her dog and she's waving to me. And I'm like, no, I'm waving to you to get your attention because there's a deer and I don't want it to cross across the road. I want to hit it, you know? Yeah. And this deer is just wagging their little tail. Look, it was a doe looking at me. And I thought, gosh, you're the most beautiful creature. What is this? The symbol you know symbolism of the yeah. deer, right? But the, the, the point of the matter is when we're when we are open, then there are these little again, these things that people will dismiss and say, well, yeah. that was just coincidence. Actually no, write them down and Less then go back and right. look at them and you'll think to yourself, Holy buckets, look at all these little miracles. Okay, something's happening. Yeah, (laughs) you know, yeah,
1: no, I love that. That's it. It, Absolutely. I think the more we can recognize, I love the idea of a journal of that. I just had a session with a client. I'm going to email her and tell her she needs to do that. Recommend that she does that because we can feel so lost and alone. But when we start to pay attention, right, it's always around us. We're being cared for. It's just when we're so shut down, it's hard to see. You know why is it? Why is my life so hard? Why am I meeting anyone? Well, there's a person at the coffee shop who says hi to you every day. Right. It's learning to see where we are being cared for. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love those
0: patterns. That that is so true. There's a um, a guy at one of the coffee shops and. He's a vet. He's so animated and loud. He's always like, hi, this is Jim. It's like, hey, Jim, what's up? It's Deb. Oh, hey, Deb. You know, and we just go right through and he knows, okay, Max wants a pub cup. We're getting ready to, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You got to bring your animals where- wherever you can. I'm thinking about taking, uh, not to get off on a tangent, but taking Max and doing some hiking up on the North Shore there in Minnesota before it gets really super uh, cold, even though we had snow today in October. Um, but wrapping up here, what are, you know, like two to three nuggets that you're like, you know what, I really, really want people to know this. What are some last minute thoughts that you uh, want to share with us today?
1: Well, one thing just tagging on to what you just said about, you know, the guy in the coffee shop, and I said this a little bit, but like, those are great places to flirt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Because it would be a better relationship for a long time. We've been out of the, we don't know how to flirt, you know, and obviously you want to keep things clean or whatever, but it's okay to start to engage in witty banter or flirting in those places where there's literally a counter between you, right? <laughs> right. To start to practice.
0: And you can right? leave if you, if you need and to, you, you can just drive leave. off, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. You just <laughs> drive away. But those are great places to start to like, to, to reintegrate and really like, Getting clear about what it is that you want from a relationship. And uh, I think the last thing that I'll say is you're talking about, it's just the add on. I like to talk about it in terms of you're the cake. I'm the cake. Our partner is the icing on the cake, but the best part, (laughs) right, is us. That's where all the key ingredients are. That's where the yummiest, delicious part is. And so we do that work on ourselves so that we can bring in these other people that adds another layer to our lives. Oh, I love
0: that analogy. I think when I do our thumbnail, I might add a little cake on there with some frosting. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, with some sprinkles too, because that would be super cool. I, I love that analogy. And, um, yes, we're the cake and, uh, we're going to have the icing on the cake and we're going to have right. our cake and we're going to eat it too. <laughs> you yes. have to throw that one in there. That was <laughs> probably somebody was listening thinking, oh my gosh, that I knew that was coming. Me I knew that, that was coming. coming. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jenny, for being on today. It was a true pleasure guys. All her information, all the hyperlinks to her website, her resources and also her podcasts are going to be listed in the summary bio. Make sure when you connect, say, hey, I heard you on PTSD and BN." Jenny, again, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much. Such a joy.
0: Guys, this is Dr. Deb with PTSD and beyond. Make sure that you subscribe and hit that like button. Episodes drop every week and you'll get yours early. And again, as I always say, take what resonates and go beyond.